Every single day that I did that during, during, the, during the really restricted times when I was literally the only one, you know, I, I, all I could think of is I, I have to do this. I have to keep doing this because if I don't do it, then there's nobody. And the difference between a zero and a one is the most important difference because you're, 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 you're telling everyone this is an option. You don't have to, right? You're making a choice. And that psychologically, I think is just so important. And, and that's what we're doing with our lives now, right? This is an option. Welcome to Freedom Junkie Radio. Welcome back, Freedom Junkies, to the podcast that takes your freedom to the next level. Today, we have Kurt Hildebrand with us. And uh, let me just give you a little bit of a background on Kurt so you have an idea of who he is. He's my friend. Um, his professional uh, activities, he's been 20 years in IT career working with business computer systems, networking, and data center technology. In his personal cool life that he has, he spent nine years building a self-sufficient, sustainable homestead in Wimberley, Texas, gardening, hunting, butchering, canning, and preserving in a regenerative lifestyle. He knows all that stuff. Awesome. Um, then the political life that you've led, um, he got activated into partisan politics by Ron Paul. I have to kind of say me too. In 2007, uh, and he worked in the Ron Paul uh, RP Republican Party movement until 2012. And that's when I, I ran for Congress in 2012 for the Libertarian Party, and that's how I knew your name. Um, you then became the chair of the Hayes County Libertarian Party um, from 2012 to 2014, then the chair of the Texas Libertarian Party from 2012. I mean, sorry, from 2014 to 2016. And then he's been involved in lots of other things, but a few of his other political things were Texans for Accountable Government, which I probably was at a meeting with you and didn't know it. The Common Ground for Texans and Fluoride Free San Marcos, which my very first interview, I talked to um, Michael Moyt, who is a friend of mine who helped to get the fluoride out or I'll keep the fluoride out of the water in Buda, which I, it had something to do with the whole San Marcos thing. So welcome to Freedom Junkie Radio, Kurt. Thanks a lot, Betsy. It's great to be here. So Kurt is one of the founding members of the Know Your Rights group that I've become a part of that's just changed my life. And so we talked about have, having a little discussion about how people can start their own Know Your Rights groups and, and how you went about it because it was very, I want to say it was methodical and well thought out and it's working really well. Mm -hmm. So um, do you want to start with that or, or should we maybe talk about, I don't know, some of these other amazing things? I don't know. Let, let's start with the 
with the know your rights, unless there's something else you want to say that to help introduce you or. No, I, th I think you covered it pretty well. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm a freedom junkie like you have been for most of, most of my life that I can remember, certainly my, my entire adult life. Um, so I think all of these aspects, except maybe my professional career, which, you know, is working with computers and just something that I like and love, um, have some kind of a freedom oriented aspect to it, libertarian, voluntarist, all that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, so that's kind of what has ultimately led me to, to the know your rights phenomenon and, and this group, which is kind of, I, you know, you, you could say that, that I and a few other people created it, but it, it really kind of created itself out of the circumstances um, that we're dealing with these days. So. Right. I'm not surprised we've crossed paths multiple times because we both have that that great need to continue the freedom that we have as Americans. And we're coming out of the woodwork now because we're seeing our rights eroding. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what do you think about, like you've got your finger on the pulse of it. You know, there's, I was saying a minute ago that I think um, there's people out there that are like, just take them, just take my rights. I'll, I'll roll over and play dead, whatever you want. I don't care. I, I don't, we're not talking to those people. We're talking to the people who recognize that our natural rights, I mean, are, are being completely destroyed. Yeah, that's, that's my sense of it. <laughs> well, actually, let me take that back. Our natural rights can't be destroyed. Okay. Right. We have them. They're inherent to us. And I can, we can get into that kind of unpacking. I mean, probably a lot of your audience is very familiar with this, but where, you know, where our rights ultimately come from, what we think of as our legal rights or constitutionally protected rights or, or any of these other rights that, you know, sort of exist within the framework of a society or, or of a government system, but they're all based ultimately on our natural rights. And those natural rights can't be taken away. They can be infringed upon, they can be violated, you know, we can be abused um, in our natural rights, but they, they, they can't can be, be enslaved. They can't be, but, they, but those rights can't be removed from us. I was just saying that the Know Your Rights group kind of created itself because of the situation, the circumstances that we've been, that we've been dealing with. I didn't, you know, it's, it wasn't my intention or my goal in life to, you know, help to put, put together a group so that we could study our rights and figure out what they are and how to protect them, which ultimately is what the Know Your Rights group is about. It's, okay. it's, it's just, um, it's just a self-help group, self-study group, if you will. Okay. So what was it that led to it? What, I mean, I know, but you live in Austin. You were yeah. feeling it even more than I was out here. What yeah. was it that made you sit down with some like-minded people and say, what can we do? Well, that's a long story. I think starting back in March of 2020 or maybe, maybe late February, but really early March, um, when things really got going, um, which I think we all know what I'm talking about. I, I certainly, you know, I didn't, I didn't expect to be one year later in March of 2021, sitting down and forming a know your rights group. Cause I never thought in my wildest dreams that when, when this whole situation started up in March of 2020, that we'd still be here a year later, a year and a half now, almost later. Um, but you know, when I first started seeing what, what was happening, um, in Austin in particular, but you know, many places around the country back in March of 2020 with these executive orders and emergency orders and, you know, mayoral, um, and, and gubernatorial decrees coming out, 
saying things like um, people can't gather anymore in groups of more than some certain number, like 10 or two or something like that. Um, you know, uh, back then it was, it was about the restrictions. It was about stay at home orders. We hadn't really gotten into masks yet. We certainly hadn't gotten into the vaccine yet, but it was about this idea um, that, that people are no longer allowed to have freedom of assembly, which is really a pretty sacrosanct part of our constitution, right? It's, it's, a, it's a very critical part of the first amendment, which, you know, I think, I, I mean, any person on the street at least knows what the first amendment is and that it's pretty important to our freedoms and, and being a free, a free country, a free society. And so that was extremely alarming to me. Um, and, and in March of 2020, I was really expecting, I was honestly expecting that there was going to be a huge pushback to this, that we were going to see people out in the streets protesting. I was, in fact, out in the streets protesting with like six other people, you know, at the time down at the Capitol. Well, there was, there was one protest at the Capitol that had, that had a couple of thousand people um, at it, but it, it didn't really last long. And, and most people, you know, really did. Um, well, people were afraid. They the really propaganda did. worked. It did work. Yeah, they really, they really did just stay home and they really did just, um, just, just accept um, the, the just revocation without any kind of legal process of some of the most fundamental protections that we supposedly have in this country and in this state for that matter, because the Texas constitution um, is actually even more protective in many ways than the United States constitution is. It's more explicit about what our rights are and, and how they can't be violated. And that was, that was just trampled over as well. And I was, I was also shocked at the time um, to see how many libertarians, like people who, who I had worked with for many years, you know, be in the Ron Paul movement, in the Libertarian Party, in some of these other nonpartisan um, but liberty-focused organizations. I mean, we'd, you know, we'd fought together, you know, in campaigns like, like Fluoride Free San Marcos. And I was just really surprised to see how many, how many libertarians that I'd worked with in my political career who suddenly just, just completely lost their principles just out the window because somehow, because there's maybe a virus, because there's maybe a pandemic. And I, I mean, I'm not convinced that there is to be perfectly honest or ever was, but just because even if that was true, just because that, that there's, there's a health crisis going on, that that somehow changes anything with regard to our natural rights and our constitutionally protected rights and that there has to be a legal process ultimately for doing things. And, and, and there is no legal process that can take certain rights away from us, like our, like our, our right to, to leave our home and to well, not be imprisoned. I, I, I think that a lot of people still confuse that, I know not, our, not the people that we've been hanging out with and, and, and talking about our rights with, but a lot of Americans think that somehow our rights come from our government. Yeah. They don't recognize that our constitution isn't there to give us our rights, and it's not even there to protect our rights, really. It's to, it, it does, but it's there to keep the government from, it's not, it's not there to, to tell us what our rights are, it's to keep the government from in, imposing upon those rights that we yeah. have. And that's it, we, the people, run this country. We're the ones, you know? And so, 
it's shocking to me too that so many different types of people, it's very interesting for me to hear you say that libertarians were among them. I know that there have been a lot of liberals. I know there have been a lot of herbalists. I know there have been a lot of yogis. I know there have been a lot of, I mean, mm -hmm. surprising people mm -hmm. to me that mm -hmm. seemed to be so solidly living in their rights mm -hmm. to lay down. And I, I didn't realize there was a bunch of libertarians that did it too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The libertarian camp. Um, got split and went into, you know, this kind of vicious infighting that that really we've seen kind of dividing society in general. It, it doesn't. It's it, you're right. It's a very curious phenomenon. Who ended up on one side or the other of this idea of do rights ultimately matter, or is there something like a public health crisis or threat that can in fact trump those rights? That's that's really the question that it boils down to. And, but but strangely, it doesn't seem to be exactly a political divide. It doesn't exactly seem to be um, a philosophical divide, a socioeconomic. I, I, I haven't been able to exactly to discern what it is. Um, but, you know, some some folks like us and like the Know Your Rights people and a lot of millions and millions of other people, of course, uh, you know, across uh, across this country and, and across the world, um, you know, are still kind of holding true to these original classical liberal principles, what we now call libertarian, but this idea of liberalism, which really means freedom, which really means that we have the right to self-determination, that we have self-ownership, um, and that, to your point, that governments are instituted as a convenience of society, and, and not the other way around that, you know, that, that um, our powers derived from ourselves and, and not derived from some authority that, that presumes to grant us our rights. Okay, so jumping right in, this led you to gather with a few other concerned citizens and you decided to have a seven week uh, study group to know your rights, what do you say? Know your rights, use your rights. Yeah. So our, keep your rights. What do you? Our, yeah. Our our motto or tagline is: You have rights. Learn them, know them, use them, keep them. And I think it kind of has to go in that order. Learn them, know them, use them, keep them. Right. And okay. um, yeah. So you won't keep your rights if you don't use them. You can't use them if you don't know them, and you can't know them if you don't learn them. And, you know, even as, uh, as a libertarian, uh, long time, you know, a libertarian my entire adult life, I mean, and I mean that philosophically speaking, but also, you know, political libertarian, um, chair of the, the LP of Texas and other positions like that. And, and even, even I myself, as much as I thought I knew about rights, I've learned so much um, Me too. from, from just working with this group and, and us. Um, collaborating to find and gather and share information and there's nothing like a good crisis to you know light a fire under you and really give you motivation to find out oh gosh you know what are my rights here because I feel like I'm being infringed upon somehow <laughs> I feel like this isn't right um, that I should be able to be told for example to cover my face you know, uh, in or that public. you can't shop somewhere if you're not yeah. gonna cover your face yeah or that I don't have the freedom to travel in some cases, maybe I don't have the freedom even to leave my house, um, that I don't have the freedom to assemble in public with a group. 
Um, all of these things just, you know, there's some kind of intuition around that, that there's something real fundamental here, that there's some kind of human right, some kind of natural right thing going on here that's, that's being restricted and that feels like a violation. But now the question is, okay, if that's how we feel, how do we work within this society and this system? What, what are our legal avenues to be able to pursue? Um, what are our rights ultimately under the law and in this, in this government and in the society that we live in? How can we, how can we express those and ultimately um, um, exercise them? Right. And sometimes we want to exercise our rights, but we're not sure where they start and where they end and if we can or we can't. Or, and by knowing it, I, I have by knowing that no one can tell me I have to wear a mask because that's a medical device and no one can forcibly make me wear a mask. Mm -hmm. um, now, if I choose to go on an airplane, that's the one that that's a little bit iffy for me right now. I don't want to get thrown off the airplane, even though it's it's my right to not wear a mask. That's a you know, if I want to get somewhere, and I have to wear a mask, that's the only time I'm okay with it. But since I've been in the group, I feel so confident mm. going without my mask. Before mm -hmm. I was kind of like walking through the grocery store without my mask, looking at people, going, "I hope I'm exercising my rights, but I don't really want to get into a confrontation." Mm -hmm. Now I'm mm -hmm. perfectly fine going. I'm standing up for all of our rights. Yeah. No one, you know, so. Tell us about the, the, the group in your first seven meetings and if someone were to want to do this, your template. Sure. So, so fast forward then, right? So we kind of talked about how did this all get started and we all kind of, we all kind of know. Um, but fast forward from March 2020 to March 2021, which is when we started the group. And I'm, I'm looking at my notes right now. So we started the group on March 9th. That was when we, we had our first meeting of the first four organizers of the group, myself and, and three of my friends. And um, boy, a lot happened in that year. <laughs> you know, to think that there I was in March 2020 thinking this is definitely going to blow over in a few weeks because Americans, much less Texans, much less Texans are not going to put up with this for very long. And um, how wrong I was, sadly, you know, and, and by March of 2021, we not only, you know, had been masking for what, close to probably nine months at that point and, and by force, right? Um, the so-called vaccine now becoming available, but not just available, not just like, oh, okay, hey, here's a vaccine, you know, it's, it's available, anybody who wants it, but really being pushed on people very forcefully, um, you know, the, the, not just from the government rhetoric, um, but, you know, we're, we're hearing this talk about, you know, restrictions on travel, vaccine passports, employer mandates. That should make everyone's red flags go up. Yeah, it, 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 I think so, too. It, it, certainly made, um, it certainly made the red flags go off in the circles that I hang out in, um, especially after my circle shrank, you know, as, like we talked about earlier with, 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 um, with folks, you know, really really go, going all in on, on this, you know, either subscribing to the narrative that, you know, hey, this really is a very dangerous thing that we're dealing with and um, we have to do what we have to do in order to protect everyone in society. For whatever reason, a lot of my friends fell off. I'm sure that happened to you, um, happened, happened to a lot of people. So in, in my smaller circle, people were starting, uh, you know, a lot of us were really starting to get quite alarmed 
by like how long this is going on and how at the time, you know, things are a lot better right now in Texas and in Austin. Um, but at the time, I mean, we were still technically speaking under some kind of an emergency order, some kind of even stay at home type restriction. There were still a lot of restrictions on businesses and capacities. There was still a mask mandate. Now here come the vaccines. There's a lot of talk about mandates. People were starting to get alarmed. And so um, I and a, a couple of my friends sat down, you know, at my house over dinner one night and just said, you know, what what can we do? And um, one of my friends suggested that what she really wanted to do was she she just didn't know really even what her rights were. You know, that that was what was coming up for her. She's like, I know this is wrong, but I and, and I and I, you know, I, I've sort of have this general idea, this general sense that the Constitution is here to protect me and we have rights and you can't do this to me. You know, like th that general kind of that sense that that that's like an American kind of um, it's in our DNA to a certain extent. She's like, but I don't actually know the facts. I don't I don't I can't quote anything. Um, I don't know what the language is. I don't know what the laws are. And she said, what I'd really love to do is create a study group and maybe we'll meet for a few weeks, you know, on a weekly basis. And we'll just take a few of these different topics. We can eat, all do our research, bring it together again, and we'll just share our information. And that's how Know Your Rights started. And so the four of us said, okay, we'll do that. And we, we had a little meeting and we came up with some topics um, that we wanted to cover. Um, so we decided, you know, first we needed to find out, okay, let's go back to basics. What are our natural rights? Like where, from where are our rights ultimately derived? And I was the one that pointed out, um, cause the, the other folks in the group wanted to start with the constitution. They said, well, the constitution is just a piece of paper. You do know, I knew that. I knew enough to know that part, right? The constitution is just a piece of paper, you know, and it doesn't give us our rights. Ultimately, I don't think it gives us our rights. I don't think that's where, I don't think we didn't have rights. And then some folks wrote the constitution. It's like, bing, like we have rights now. Oh, that's great. I don't think that's how it worked. I think somehow our rights come from some source that's even more fundamental than that. So maybe we can look into what natural rights are. And then maybe we could even start to discover what is common law. Right. And then we could start to maybe work our way towards the Constitution from there. So that was our first session we called Introduction to Your Rights. Do you know Mark Passio? That name doesn't really well. You'd love him. And I want to bring him to the attention of the audience because he is the uh, he he knows natural rights, human rights inside and out. Mm. He does four and eight hour seminars you can mm. find him on youtube and he will blow your mind mm. yeah mark I passio that. i believe it's p-a-s-s-e-o and uh, i'll put that in the show notes but go yeah. ahead so that's natural rights yeah right. i don't have my stylist with me so you have to give me that after we get done with our interview i'd love to look that up but yeah uh, and and i i knew a lot of this too this is not part of the bio that i gave you but i'm kind of a i call myself a philosophy weirdo um, I just, I've, I've, I've been just kind of into philosophy for a long time. So I studied all that stuff and, you know, of course, getting into Hobbes and Locke and Rousseau and all of that, where like kind of where a lot of the frameworks of our rights and how we think about them and society and how those things interrelate, where that comes from. So I knew that that was something we needed to, we needed to start with. Um, but then we jumped straight into, this is uh, another um, one of the friends in the, in the original organizers. Her, um, 
her big thing was she wanted to get real practical real fast because her thing was, what do I do if I have to talk to the cops? Right? I'm going to go out and start trying to exercise these rights that I think I have, but like, okay, what if I bump up against an authority figure of some kind? I have no idea what the first thing is to do. And so luckily I had a friend that, uh, who's former military and former law enforcement and also happened to just be a genuinely awesome human being and a libertarian and all that cool stuff and um, highly enlightened. And so I asked him, hey, you know, could you give us a download about when you were a cop and, and based on where you are now in your life and what you know, could you help us, like teach us what to do, what not to do when dealing with an authority figure so that we can navigate that situation and keep our rights intact as much as possible without like, you know, getting put on the ground. That was kind of the idea. So that was our session two, how to talk to police in, and authorities, how to navigate your rights in daily life. Um, then my big thing that I really wanted to work on was medical rights because, you know, the mask, vax, what do I do if I, what do I, if I have to go to the doctor, what do I do if I have to go to a hospital? Like that's kind of the thing that was really coming up for me. So we set a session to work on that. That then, was the first one I came to. I missed okay. the first two. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Um, then we actually didn't, we set that one for the third, but I think we did it a little bit later, but at, at any rate, Another topic that um, we came up with in the, on the original series of six came from yet a, a so then the fourth person from our group, um, her hot topic was, I know that there's something with the county sheriff that's important. I know that that- That's when Rocco came. I came to, that was my first one. Yeah, 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 Rocco. yeah. I think that was our session four or five, um, but at any rate, um, she, she had this intuition that like, I know that we need to be working with our sheriff. I know that there's, there's an element of how our rights can get protected there, working at the county level and with the sheriff in particular as kind of ultimately the protector of the county, right? That's, that, 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 that's their role. And so she wanted to uh, study and do and they're a elected. They're elected, not unlike the police officers that, and the police chief who's- Appointed. Appointed, right. Yeah. Or I guess there's some cities that may elect their police chief, but at, at any rate, the, the county sheriff is definitely elected by the people and is therefore accountable directly to the people and is also the highest authority from, from an executive perspective at the county level. And so there's a lot of power there that's still latent in our political system that most people just, just are not aware of because you're not taught. And so she wanted to study that and find out, okay, so what are avenues for working with our county sheriff to, again, help protect our rights? Um, then we wanted to talk about property rights. So uh, these were just other ideas that got brainstormed, but we wanted to talk about, um, you know, how can we protect our property? What are, what, what are our rights? Um, different frameworks for that. And then other legal frameworks are, are six, sixth session that we came up with in our original cycle was various legal frameworks for reclaiming your sovereignty or reclaiming your personal uh your personal empowerment so so kind of kind of getting back to how can we how can we remove as many layers of this governmental you know structure from ourselves and get as close to our natural rights as possible so we wanted to talk about uh things like do the domicile strategy and um 
you know, other kind of personal sovereignty legal strategies. So that was our, that was our original cycle. You thought it would last seven weeks, but what happened? Well, it's kind of like Fight Club where we weren't trying to grow. So like the first rule was, you know, don't talk about it. Second rule was don't talk about it. I mean, within our first circle of four, we, we invited some of our friends. Like that was the deal, right? Like we're not just gonna study the four of us. Let's invite some friends. You know, I, I, my living room can hold, well, I discovered that my living room could hold exactly 23 people and not more. Um, but uh, I figured, you know, we could probably have maybe as many as 15 or 20 people in this group before, you know, we'll, we'll, before we'll be shutting down really at that point, because we were just going to do this for six weeks. Um, but it just kept growing. And so, you know, it was spreading by word of mouth and, and you know, so people were just excited to, to share what was going on because they were getting a lot of value from it, you know? And so the thing just kept growing and, you know, before you know it, um, I was running out of chairs. People had to start bringing more. I was moving my furniture out of the way into other rooms and, uh, and, and it was great. And, and there was a lot of excitement behind it because the, the group, it, the group ultimately started to, we, we, we started to kind of become more than just a study group, I guess is really what it boils down to. People were getting a lot of value out of the information and learning so much about like, these are in fact real practical things that I can do in my life. And just like what you said, like getting a lot of confidence from that and, and people who had been really wanting to take off the mask for an exam, it's always about the mask, right? But it's a great, it's, a, it's, it's the litmus test, I think. It's, it really is. If you're willing to take off the mask, you're gonna be willing to do a lot more for yourself ultimately. And but if we don't stand up for our own rights, how can we expect to have them? Yeah, yeah. And if you're not gonna, well, we won't get into that for right now. But, but the point is that people were gaining a lot of confidence from it. And we were also really like, like it was almost becoming an emotional support group to a certain extent. Like people were getting that kind of value um, from just being able to sit with people who were, were, you know, were all even just talking about their rights and, and were, you know, passionate. Um, about what was going on and how we felt about it and, and sharing stories of what was going on in their lives, a lot of which had to do with friends and family that we've lost. And I don't mean lost like dead, but I mean like who had cut, you know, cut people out of their lives because of these disagreements over, over this issue of fundamentally like, you know, do we own ourselves or not? And it was just, I mean, it's sad, but, but we, we came together and we started to become we started to become stronger. To the point where, I mean, I, I feel like everyone should want to know their rights. I know that they don't, but there are enough of us that do that hopefully we will maintain them. And I have, you know, I had Sachi on, she's part of the group, part of your founding group that yeah. she's been on. Um, I, I, it's, I've gained so much from the friendships that I've forged, mm -hmm. that feeling of I'm not alone and knowing my rights and learning more than I thought that I, that I, I you know, I didn't know anything about domicile yeah. or um, what's the property one? Land patents. Land patents. Yeah. I mean, I've learned so much and there's mm -hmm. so, so I wanted to plant the seeds of anyone who is interested anywhere in the world really about getting a few friends together, learning what are our rights how much you can push back for your rights, which should be uh, 
there should be no limit to how much you should be able to push back for your rights. Yeah. And um, so I just wanted to encourage people all over the world to start a little group and see what happens, see where it goes. It won't look like our group. It won't, you'll have your own list of things that are important to you. There will be similarities. And you know, the group has morphed and grown and had its growing pains and we've moved to locations so that we could mm. accommodate more people. We've had different speakers come. Um, there's been differences of opinion about what we should talk about and how we should go about it and um, how we communicate. We, we have a Telegram group, um, but that's gonna change because Telegram isn't, it doesn't seem to mm. be a place where you can feel confident about speaking privately anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so, that, I mean, that's a great place to start. Our, our group has, has continued. We now meet pretty much every week with um, taking about a week off every month. Mm -hmm. um, and it's gotten to where um, we, we have meetings about setting out what we want to talk about. Then we have a meeting where we have a topic that's covered or a speaker that speaks. And then we've decided to have a social meeting mm -hmm. every now and then because yeah. we just want to talk and yeah. hug each other and say hello and see how things are going. And um, so we even had an older member. I'd say our membership ranges from about 24 years old to about 75. Yeah. And one of our older members had the um, decided that she wanted to tell us about the activism that she was a part of in being in the Black Panthers in the late 60s mm -hmm. and how the Black Panthers got about how crazy our government was planting people and making them look like they did certain things and and I'm so glad they don't do that anymore. Oh, yeah. I'm so that? glad that's all over with now. <laughs> Yeah. I'm so glad I know you're joking. Yeah. Well, that's why that's why we had her talk, right? Was because mm -hmm. just to to get some perspective and also, you know, um, to understand better about what's happening to us and how it's it's it certainly is not the first time. Um, um, but you know, ultimately, it's I think it's groups like ours that that are going to form the, the, the tapestry that we need for society to be resilient to what's happening to us now. And that's why, you know, I, I definitely uh, echo exactly what you said, Betsy, and, and I hope that um, this model is helpful for others. And we've, we've already actually, we've met and, and connected with other, many other groups that are, that are trying to <clears throat> do something. They're trying to form something, you, you know, at the very least um, a support network of some kind, but but uh, other groups that are certainly, you know, in one form or fashion or another, either trying to educate themselves, trying to take some kind of action in their own lives, or maybe even take some action to to try and, yeah, I'm just gonna say it, push back against some of these infringements that we've been experiencing over the past year, year and a half, um, which, which really can't be talked about other than um, in, in the most realistic terms of, of totalitarianism. It's, it fits the definition if you look it up, unless they've changed it now, right. which is possible. But, yep, um, with the censorship. Know, the definition pre-2020 of what that word means, that's what we're experiencing, and um, it's, it's very sad. Now, in Texas, we're experiencing a lot less of it than in other parts of the country in the world, for which I feel uh, very blessed. 
But after the first six weeks, um, when the group started to take on a life of its own, it started to outgrow my living room. I liter we literally had to stop, not just stop inviting people, but we had to like stop letting people come because we didn't have the space for it. Um, and, and at the same time, the, again, the, the energy was flowing and people wanted to start doing things like, you know, they like to your point about how we now have our, um, our new kind of rotation of how we organize our meetings. Um, that we that developed organically. That wasn't something we sat down and thought about, but it just came up because people wanted to start working on projects. Um, our Texas legislative session was in what our Texas legislature was in session at that particular time, and so there are lots of bills and laws being discussed and and voted on, and people wanted to start taking action on that. We wanted to start taking um, you know action in terms of creating resources for ourselves to help us navigate these daily situations that we would find ourselves in when we're just trying to exercise our rights in daily life and people, whether it be authorities or business owners or, or just, you know, um, you know, just employees or, or whoever would, would, you know, try to ask us or, or require us to do things that we knew we weren't required to do that aren't legal and that were violations of our natural rights, regardless of their legality. Um, so we started doing things like creating pamphlets and and postcards and other materials. And to your point, the social element of what we were doing was really starting to become valuable to us, you know, to have a place to go where we could talk about some of these really challenging things that were going on in our lives. And so we moved to a bigger venue. Um, we were very fortunate to have one of our members who had access to a larger space that we could use. And so we moved there, the group was then able to expand. We now have about roughly 60 or so folks who come on a regular basis um, to our meetings. And, um, and we restructured, so after we ran out of the first six topics, I think there was a seventh topic to your point about seven weeks that we added on. After we ran out of our, our first cycle of topics, we said, okay, well now what? And so we put together this new uh, strategy, which is, Okay, so folks want to have social time, they want, to, they want to talk about projects, and they want to continue to learn and study, so we'll alternate weeks between meetings that, are, that have an agenda specifically around those things that people want to do. And it's not always the same people that want to do everything. I mean, some people want to do everything. Some people are more focused on one thing or another. So it also lets people, you know, um, take a little bit of extra time and not, not have as much burnout. So now what we do is we alternate between study group sessions, project working sessions, and then just social sessions. And then take a week off. And sometimes we take a week off. Yeah. yeah. So what do you see as the future for our rights? The immediate future. I'm not talking to because we can't see what the future is <clears throat> five years down the road, but there it's looking like the masks are, you know what, Austin's in stage five or something they say, you know, and so people are going back into a place of fear yeah. that propaganda works. And what do you see having changed or looking different this time? Hmm. Well, as far as I know, this time there's no actual orders or, or um, certainly no law, there never has been a law but there, certainly there's no orders right now that actually require people through any authority to do anything Okay. at this point, to the best of my knowledge. 
Unless something's changed, because they well, change so it every day. What does stage four and stage five mean? As far as I'm aware, these are criteria that are set by the health department. I think this, this is specifically Austin that you're talking about. Right. right? It's not like the state of Texas mm -hmm. or I think any particular county. But there, you know, there are some some sort of criteria. I'm actually not intimately familiar with it. I sort of start. I used I used to try and stay intimately familiar with that stuff, but it's it's rather Orwellian, don't you think? Like how it was changing all throughout 2020. I mean, the orders would be amended, the thresholds would be changed. It seems like the goalposts keep getting moved here, there, and everywhere. It's hard to even keep up with like how many cases per hundred thousand do we have to be to be in what stage or well, what and does so that many mean? weird things have been happening lately. Yeah. Like they've even they've even said that we the CDC said this week that we've got to actually come up with a test that can tell the difference between the flu and, and coronavirus. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. So <laughs> they say they're going to keep the PCR test till December 31st, mm -hmm. even though, so, and I can find that for you and I can uh, link to it. Yes. So it was just three days ago that came out that, um, the current PCR test that we have had all this time that people were questioning, its accuracy the whole time because there sure. were all these false positives and how many cycles it was being run and all that. Sure. And people were wondering what happened to the flu. Just yeah. kind of logically though, because there were no flu cases and the flu used to be a little bit deadly too. And now we don't get the flu and okay, well, apparently the PCR test now by the word of the, the CDC can't tell the difference between the flu and coronavirus, but we're still going to use it until December 31st. Yeah. And so that means that all of this has been something that everyone should be so angry about, the whole thing. If anyone you know has gotten suicidal or depressed or lost their job or their business closed or they couldn't go to school or they couldn't make ends meet or whatever, our, our, our psychology has just gotten jacked as a, as, a, as a country, as a world, and it was all over a test that is inaccurate to begin with. And... Then the other big one was, oh, the guy in England who said, well, and if you got the placebo, your, your vaccine passport's still good. Yeah. Like, so the guy who chose not to get the vaccine in England can't go into the pub, but the guy who, who got the vaccine but didn't get the vaccine, he can still go in the pub. Whereas there's no logic anywhere. And, and yeah. um, Can I comment on that? Yes. Because I've been here, I've actually been hearing about that. I want to circle back around to your original question too, but um, on that point about the placebo, uh, control group in England and those folks getting the getting the passport. I've been hearing about that on other podcasts too, and everybody kind of making that same point that you are, like 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 pointing that out as a case of of all the nonsense. Like this is just nonsensical. Like these rules are arbitrary. But actually, there should have never been any debate about that to begin with, because you have to, you would have to give the passport to the placebo control group. Yes, but- Otherwise it's not a double blind study. But do they people can't... realize they were part of a giant study? That's that's the nonsense part, right? That's the, that's the nonsense. And wouldn't you be pissed that you got the placebo if you wanted the vaccine? They shouldn't know that they got the placebo. That, so, I don't think they do. Okay, well, if they don't, then then they don't know. The government knows. If that's a, that's a rare example of good science in this entire thing that we've been talking <laughs> about. But but it, but the, the point I was trying to make earlier is is that I mean I think a lot of people, and I'm one of them. I think a lot of people are just starting to tune out because it's so ludicrous. It's so absurd. The rules are changing so frequently. How could you even possibly keep track? And 
I, I think that's where a lot of people are at. Stage three, stage four, you know, code blue, code chartreuse. I don't know what's going on. I think a lot of people have just gotten to that point where they're where they're moving on beyond But it. there's a lot of people who are afraid of this Delta variant yeah. that of a disease that, mind you, still has a 99.8, I think is the last thing I saw. Uh, yeah, uh, survival rate, very much like the flu, and the whole world's freaking out and pushing vaccine. It's not even a vaccine. It is technically not a vaccine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I'm not saying this is that, that what we're experiencing here in Texas and even in Austin is necessarily what's going on in other parts of the world, although it, it's increasingly hard to know what's going on anywhere um, without independent sources of media, um, which are increasingly being censored, suppressed and shut down, as, as you well know. So it's it's really hard to say if everything could be normal in places we wouldn't know. But um, but you know what I what what I'm seeing personally in my own life is um, number one there don't seem to be any actual um, there doesn't seem to be any enforcement of any kind of restrictions that I'm aware of I'm not I'm not seeing that and in terms of the phone calls and the text messages that I'm personally receiving from Austin Public Health it's saying that we're in stage this that or the other and then it's making recommendations it's saying please wear a mask you should get vaccinated whatever. So I think there's going to be two, two camps of people generally. There's going to be the camp of people that read that kind of a message or see that on the news or whatever and say, oh, I better mask up. Oh, I better stay home or whatever. And then there's going to be people that, that just ignore it. And, you know, and it, from what I was seeing, you know, just going around town in public in the grocery store or wherever, it sure seemed like we'd crossed the 50% mark even in Austin. I mean, you go outside of Austin and it's, you know, there's, there's very few people um, doing much that, that's visible. But even in Austin, it seemed like we crossed the 50% mark, meaning that less than 50% of people seem to be wearing masks anymore. And it, and it was dropping. And then they started jacking up the stage three, stage four business. And I started to see some of it coming back, which tells me that some people are just following the rules or just following orders. And then there's other people um, who, for one reason or another, are starting to think for themselves. Um, okay, so forced vaccines. I keep hearing about that. I keep hearing that, uh, I think it was Cuomo in New York who said that we were going to go to people's doors and forcibly vaccinate them. Now, I could be wrong, because, right? you know, who knows anymore, right? What we, what we hear, whether it's correct or not. I, um, either way, and then I heard a, a guy, I saw him saying, well, we definitely are going to have to force vaccinate people, but it was just a a citizen, you know, just saying that's going to, so there's this idea of forced vaccinations. How does that sit with you as someone who knows your rights? Uh, I find it terrifying. Um, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's one of the scariest possibilities that I've contemplated in this entire, um, you know, situation that we've been living through. Um, it's, I, it has to be, I think, um, other than possibly outright murder, uh, it has to be maybe the most egregious violation of your natural rights and your human sovereignty or what person's human sovereignty that you can imagine because it's a literal penetration of your actual human, you know, um, boundary. 
Um, it, it's I'm injecting not, something into your body without your consent. I think it's I think it's not too far to say that it's it's a kind of rape. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I think. And that side effect, there is a side effect of death for oh, these. Sure. So to give you something that you would not consent to, even the idea that people think that that's a good idea is terrifying. That mm -hmm. there are human beings who don't understand mm -hmm. what, where we are mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And I've thought about it a little bit and I think it's a very bad idea if anyone decides to go there. And I, I've seen some videos of people being forcibly vaccinated in other countries, mm -hmm. you know, against mm -hmm. their will, elderly and children actually. Mm -hmm. and, and, and those with mental disabilities. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're sovereign individuals. It's heartbreaking. Um, I think here in Texas, it would lead to a, a all-out war. I don't. I, I think that the, the people who would who would rather die in a gunfight than get injected. And I'm not exaggerating. I, I think that. So I, I don't know that that'll come to that point here in Texas. Although they've been, you know, talking about it in other states. Um. So I I, I hold out hope that that wouldn't. That, that we will stand up before that would, would mm. happen. Mm. Um, that got a little heavy right there. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> um, and I can it's, a heavy, it's a heavy issue, right? It's a, it's a heavy issue. And I think, you're, I think you're correct when you say that there are people around this country, and particularly in this state, who um, will defend themselves with force against that kind of aggression, against that kind of, of violation. I mean, um, you know, I, I hate to make it heavier by continuing with the rape analogy, but I mean, if someone was threatening you with rape, would you not defend yourself with all possible force that you have at your disposal? I mean, maybe some people wouldn't, but I think a lot of people would. And um, I, I think that issue really is a non-starter um, I, I, I don't know, there, it, could, it could happen in some place like New York, I suppose, or, or maybe, you know, a few other states around the country. But I, I really do think that that's, that's still pretty much a non-starter in this country. I think even, you know... What do you mean by non-starter? I mean, I don't think there's the political will to... They're know, not going to go there. I don't think they're going to go there. I, okay. don't think, I, don't think there's, I don't think the political will exists. So, okay, so let's take it to where they will go, which could be a uh, vaccination passport. If you've been vaccinated, yeah. you can go here, and then those, you people, sorry, you don't get to go to the grocery store. You know, Even Macron in France yeah. last week was saying that, that unvaccinated can't go to the pub, to the theater, to the, all the things that the French love to do, and included the supermarket in that, and that's when the people took to the streets. Yeah, but it shows you that there's a there's a point you can push people, which is too far. It's just unfortunate that um, that a lot of those people in Europe, um, Australia, New Zealand, Asia, and other places at practically most of the world, actually, when you think about it, other than the United States, Canada have no have no Canada even yeah yeah some of the most restricted I mean one of the the most restricted. Um, countries in the world, just just our neighbor to the north, um, you know, supposedly very you know similar to America if you think about it. But 
different in one pretty critical way. I mean, they've got a different culture, but they have no way of defending themselves. And they don't have a way of defending themselves in, in Europe uh, or Asia Pacific, you know, those other countries as well. So I think it's no accident and it's also no mystery why things have gone much, much, much further there. But I, I still think human beings have a red line and we're seeing where I think governments are, whether by design or by accident, pushing until they find out where that red line is. And we just found it, you know, unfortunately, um, the, the propaganda campaign has been so successful that, you know, at least half, it seems like about half of the, of the population, generally speaking, um, around the world is actually in support of, of all of this, of totalitarianism, ultimately, in support of it. So I didn't expect, I didn't expect that to be the case, really. I, I, I didn't think we'd gone that far. It is an interesting time that we live in. Um, the most interesting time I, in my life, it, you know, life is just doing what you do, meeting who you meet, going where you go, figuring it out. And now all of a sudden everything has become so important. Your food sources, when was that important? You know, whether there were, you know, what are you, um, are you going to start growing food? People are, how are you going to school your children? Are your people or more people are homeschooling? You know, I just, everything has become almost heavy. Mm. In, mm -hmm. And who are your friends? Mm -hmm. um, who can you trust? Yeah. What sources of information are good? Boy, that's the one, you know, that, that one has been eating away at me for years now, you know, long, long before COVID, um, really, it really started getting weird with Trump. Don't you agree? I mean, with, with regard to the information landscape and, and, and misinformation. Yeah. Landscape. And just like looking at the mainstream media and it's like just this absurd, ludicrous, unrealistic, fictional, like, you know, and well, we've so, seen so many political yeah. campaigns where the media was definitely biased, but never vitriol towards yeah. a candidate. That was a first. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, to that to, to that level. Yeah. Um, but but just you know, for me, it was like my news sources started dropping away about four or five years ago. Like the, the sources that I went to, even independent mm -hmm. independent alternative media. It's just like, ah, I can't read that anymore. Like, uh, what the hell, you know? And like, little by little, my, my window into what's actually going on in the world narrowed and narrowed and narrowed until, and then of course the outright censorship just started coming in, um, you know, with the, uh, with the big purge, the Alex Jones purge. That, w that was when I knew I was, uh, I saw that happen. I was like, wow. Um, Something big, something big's coming. Someone's free speech was just highly curtailed and a lot of people, I didn't seem to care. It's not just someone though. I mean, everybody, I even just said it, but I can, if, if I'd have to go read. He was the canary in the coal mine. He, he was the canary in the coal mine, but, but there were like 30 or 40 other, I mean, large platform, 
highly respected, like credible people who got washed out along with him. And then it's just been like that, you know, and it, it's just, um, it's, it has nothing at all, not, not one iota to do with how credible is your information, how, um, how well researched are your facts, how truthful is what you're saying, none of that. It's, it's just about are you or are you not parroting the, the mainstream narrative? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to speak with Orwell. Are you saying anything that deviates from the mainstream narrative, which is the only approved allowable opinion, as Tom Wood says, are you saying that or are you saying anything else? If you're saying anything else, you're, you know, um, you're, you're, uh, you're blacklisted, right? Um, and, and deplatformed. So the, that, that part, that's the part that really eats away at me because um, without, I mean, that's, that's again why freedom of press <laughs> Again, the First Amendment. Another pretty critically enshrined, um, you know, protection that we have from the Constitution and it's supposedly an inherent right. Um, that's, why, that's why that's there, because without a way of, of having free flow of information, being able to know what's actually going on, being able to know what it is that they're doing to us, without that, that's... That's when a free society well, And that's falls why apart. The, the citizen press thing has jumped up and out because people have these little cell phones everywhere and they can go live, they can record what's happening. And that's what I, that's why I originally had been getting that, that kind of information on Twitter, but then I got completely shadow banned on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I have, after I ran for Congress, I had about 9,000 followers on Twitter. It's gotten, they, Twitter's gotten rid of about 3,000 of them. I have about 6,000. But I don't even, if you find me on Twitter, I don't even post because even with 6,000 Twitter followers, if you tweet something, typically you get a minimum of 10, maybe even 100 retweets or, or responses, you know, to it. it you know, you're going to tweet something that's of consequence, something, somebody's going to be like, yeah, or retweet it. Mm. I get zero, <laughs> nothing, zero. Nobody sees my tweets. So, and that's obvious censorship to me. I can't prove it, mm. but mm. it's very obvious to me. Mm. So I don't use Twitter anymore, but I used to get a lot of information from it because people would post what they were seeing where they are. And you would get a hashtag Cuba. Like right now, I'm sure there's, there's a hashtag about Cuba, mm. what everything's going on there. Mm. And there's people on the street showing you what's going on. It's amazing. You know, we didn't used to have that. The, the, I think 40, 50 years ago when we believed our news sources, they were probably just as biased and corrupt as they are now, but we didn't know it and we didn't have any sources other than that. Mm. You know, and now it, a, lot is, it, a lot of good is happening actually. Mm -hmm. If we want to end on a hopeful, positive note, mm -hmm. let's do that. What oh, do you yeah. see? What do you see good coming out of of this? I mean, people are getting a fire lit. People care suddenly. Um, people are coming together. People are learning their rights. People are questioning more than ever before. Learning mm -hmm. that, uh, yeah, and we love our constitution and we love our country. But those that govern us are chosen by invisible hands that, that we're becoming aware of mm. as a society more and more. If you look into the wars of the last hundred years, none of them were necessary. Oh, 
I believe yeah. that. I, I know that to be true. It, is, it, is war ever necessary? I mean, really? Um, that's maybe that's just my my philosophy. But no, I think there's a lot of great. I, I think there is good that is coming from this, and I think there's always the potential for good to come from from anything, even a crisis, even maybe a dark time um, that society is going through. And I think that change and transformation, progress and evolution, I think they inherently come from, um, you know, a, a species, a society, an organism that's too comfortable. It won't change. It won't evolve. It won't progress. Right? That happens from pressure, from the environment, from challenges, even individually. How do we grow and evolve as we go through life? You know, overcoming obstacles, facing challenges, um, figuring out how to meet them, get around them, or even just working through them. These are all the, the mechanisms by which we improve ultimately. And, you know, that's, I, I have no doubt, actually, I was going to say I'm hopeful, but I, but I really have no doubt that, um, that the human species ultimately is going to come out the other side of this crucible uh, transformed. And, and maybe into, um, maybe into transhumanists. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> that's not hopeful. Maybe, right. I, you know, I think that's entirely possible not to get, not to veer too far into science fiction, but I think it's entirely possible that we may have more than one human species on the other side of this okay. through either mechanical, um, computer augmentation, biological genetic modification and engineering well there's the google pill the lady well, i don't know if it's google pill but it was it had google beside it and the lady i saw it this morning i'll send you the video uh maybe i can figure out a way to link to it with this where you swallow it and it has a chip in it and then it goes throughout your whole body <clears throat> fantastic yeah I'll, I'll pass okay so back to those of us who are still yeah, 100% let, human. Let me finish what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, but but what, I was, what I was really trying to say is, is society, Tra the transformation of society, not, not so much. Yeah, I mean, I do think that, that we are transforming our biology as well, but there are going to be people like me and you and the Know Your Rights group who are going to want to stay, let's just say old school, human, right? Let's, we'll, we'll go ahead and keep that lineage moving forward. And there's going to be lots and lots. There's going to be millions and millions of us who are going to you know, just go ahead and pass on the vax and pass on the augs and whatever else it is that people want to, how they want to enhance themselves or change themselves. But the societal change, I think, is going to be the really positive outcome ultimately of this because we're being pressured. The Know Your Rights group would not have happened if it hadn't been for these um, life conditions, okay, that, that, that caused us to come together. Um, in many cases, losing a lot of our social networks, even familial connections and things, having to find each other now, creating this new thing, which is becoming a, in my opinion, I think, a new society, a new, a new societal structure. And I think it's going to be uh, really beautiful because it's ultimately this has been, this whole COVID situation has been a big filter right? There's, there's the folks who went through the filter and still have their rights on the other side. And that's our group. And I think our goal now, again, is to find each other 
and this is one template, one playbook for doing that. We've, and we've connected through um, other organizations. I don't know if I should name them, but um, we've connected to many other small groups who are trying to do something, something similar, or doing their own thing, but one way or another, people are coming together, and now those groups are coming together and we're getting connected. As we travel around and meet and interact with each other and figure out how to identify each other, you know, I discovered a, a similar group. I was just passing through on my way to a festival and I discovered another group very similar to ours in Sedona, Arizona, and now we're connected with them. And we've discovered a group in Denver and now we're connected with them. And I think this is how we're gonna do it. And, um, you know, we can, we can preserve and not just, not just preserve, but, but we can really build um, our, our own thing, you know, based on, based on the philosophy of freedom that we really believe in. I am beyond overjoyed to have found the people that I've found in the last, I guess it's just been about six months when mm -hmm. we all emerged from this hellish, like I'm only seeing six people, mm -hmm. you know, um, backed into this human hugging and, mm -hmm. and our biomes and understanding these things and studying these things and recognizing um, the importance of of germs and 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 love and rights and what are I mean I've I've learned so much and I've grown so much and it's true it wouldn't have happened I started this this mm -hmm. um, felt the need to to help people find freedom in any way that it can be any more free your life can be you know mm -hmm. and right now it can be a lot more free and mm -hmm. so. Um, if there's anything else you can think of that you'd like to share with the world, now would be the time to do it. Hmm. Well, I just want to share how grateful I am to have reconnected with you through this crucible that we're all going through and the Know Your Rights group. And like you said, just so much gratitude um, for this new family that, uh, that's, that's been forming um, and just so much hope. You know, I just, I just really, um, I know I personally have gone through a huge amount of transformation through everything, everything that we've been through. I know, I know many, many people have, most of the people in our Know Your Rights group uh, have been going through transformation. But what I see is I see a bunch of people who are, who are not surviving, but thriving. You know, I see people who are, um, who are fired up about life and um, creating something beautiful and liberated and free and who aren't afraid and um so anyway i just want to thank you thanks for having me on your show um thanks for this interview and i hope we've inspired some people and, and given them at least somewhat of a blueprint you know for how to build their own group if that's what they want to do yeah and um on that note you can go to freedomjunkieradio.com and click on the get involved tab and there I have information about how we started our group. Um, I'll probably try to post this interview there. Um, and you're welcome to, if you scroll all the way down, it says subscribe, that's to Freedom Junkie Radio. Um, you can ask me questions that way and I'd be happy to answer them. And uh, it, it does feel good when you said a, a fearlessness amongst these people, because you have to 
poke through the fear and say enough is enough and what are my rights and I'm going to stand in them and I'm going to do it for everyone and I and I love humanity and that's why I'm doing this yeah. and there is um there's something about and, and what's important and what is the meaning of life and maybe I don't know that but I know that um my heart has this drive to not let um oppression occur Mm-hmm. in this world and then when you find the other people that feel that way it's just like i don't even like it's like i don't know maybe being at war to, like in the trenches there's yeah. something about a bond there yeah. where um it's a family and there's a, and there are millions of us so i don't know if people that aren't awake are are going to be willing to wake up at this point i don't know i hold out hope but i'm really thinking more about reaching people who are who are wanting to be free and and not knowing what to do and where to go yeah. and you've got to find it in there and do it that's yeah. what it is so yeah i agree i agree i i mean i i think i think that has to be the first step for us now is is we've got to find each other and then we've got to stick together and then we've got to become strong and then we can build something that's so amazing and so beautiful and so successful and which is thriving to such a degree that people just can't ignore it you know, I think I think that's the strategy. But to your point about doing what we do for everyone, I think that is so critical. Um, that's that's just such a critical part of the mindset, and it's what it's it's what our you know detractors or attackers you know would mischaracterize us as selfish. Mm. But let me tell you, it's really really hard to be the only person in a grocery store full of, I don't know what, a couple hundred people or something, who's not wearing a mask, it's really hard. There's a lot of pressure in that. It's not really, you know, it, it, I do do it for myself, of course, because I wanna breathe air. <laughs> but every single day that I did that during, during, the, during the really restricted times when I was literally the only one, you know, I, I, all I could think of is I, I have to do this. I have to keep doing this because if I don't do it, then there's nobody. And the difference between a zero and a one is the most important difference because you're, 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 you're telling everyone this is an option. You don't have to, right? You're making a choice. And that psychologically, I think is just so important. And, and that's what we're doing with our lives now, right? This is an option. So anyway, that's what gives me hope. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. It's been quite a pleasure. And uh, let me know if there's ever anything else you want to pop on and say, because we're, uh, we're doing it giving people information now and and there's lots of good information out there so thank you freedom junkies and uh, uh there will be show notes about this show make sure to let people know about the show you can find it on youtube or BitShoot, rumble anywhere you find a podcast subscribe comment share and uh and subscribe on the website, become a Freedom Junkie. You can get your Freedom Junkie t-shirt and your coffee mug and all that stuff. So um, till we meet again, stay free.
<laughs> that sounds like something that is on a maxi pad. Hold on. Um, um, okay, be free. How's that? Maintain your rights. Know, yes. learn your rights. Know your rights. Use your rights. Keep your That's rights. It. Yep, and thank you so much, Betsy. It was wonderful, and I'd love to do it again sometime. Okay. Ciao. I live better than a king ever did. I live better than a king.